Welcome to Pod Academy, an international podcast that explores topics like history, politics, science, psychoanalysis, and more through movies and TV shows. Well, many movies. We post a new episode every Monday. Today I'd like to thank Dana S., Catherine, and Annie B. Thank you very much for supporting our podcast. While there are a plethora of cinematic depictions of different romantic relationships between men and women, and a wide variety of movies highlighting friendships between women, the supply of movies showcasing male friendships is low. But it is rising. So in this episode of Psychology in Movies, we're going to dive into the cinematic portrayal of male friendships throughout adult life, starting from keeping up with your childhood friends, then forging new male relationships in your 30s, and capping it off with striking a friendship in your 40s and 50s. So, what can we learn from movies about the ability, or lack thereof, of men maintaining and sustaining emotional connections with other men over time? I love you, man. I love you too, bud. Hi, everybody. Hello, Noga Galo. How are you doing? Hi, Gil. I'm doing great. Thank you. You're doing great, doctor? Yes, I'm doing great. I was about to say that you <laughs> didn't present me as doctor. Doctor Nogariel <laughs> Galo. It, it makes me do actually a lot better to be a doctor. Yes? Yeah. And you are a doctor of? My, my uh, degree was a combination between psychology and philosophy. Mm-hmm. It was called Psychoanalysis and Hermeneutics, the program itself for the PhD. And we want to record uh, a different podcast about your research, very interesting research about Jewish therapists treating Arab patients here in Israel. Right. Okay, but that's for a different uh, conversation. Today we want to talk about male friendships in movies. Mm-hmm. I love you, dude. I love you, bro, Montana. I love you, Holmes. I love you, Brosef Goebbels. I love you, Machacha. I love you, Tico Brohe. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's uh, continue here. I've often wondered why there is not enough, um, let's say, interest in friendships in general in psychoanalysis. I mean, in psychoanalysis, we talk a lot about, of course, the parent-child relationship. Romantic relationships. R- romantic relationships, yes, and couples therapy. Uh, but there is not an emphasis on friendships. Mm. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, that our friendships, our relationships that we have with people mm-hmm. in different times of our lives are very much part of who we are as right. people. Integral. Yeah, integral. integral. Part. Yeah, I mean, psychoanalysis usually views it as another way of uh, somehow uh, repeating a kind of pattern that we had in childhood with like the primary caretakers or whatever. But it is a different thing. I mean, it's like an equal part, yes. you know, even when it comes to siblings, there's not enough knowledge on that subject. So it's just interesting to try to break it down. And when we narrow it down to male friendships. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that uh, one of the shifts that we're seeing in the past, I don't know, decade or two, like mm-hmm. let's say uh, since 2000 up, mm-hmm. is that there is a lot more emphasis on the emotional bond and relationship or the kinds of emotional bonds that men form between themselves. Before that, I mean, we did see like the male partnership movies, you right. know. Cop movies. And yeah. yeah. But it was a different thing and exactly. not just like, you know, having this kind of emotional bond. And uh, now that we put also, you know, the the differences that are taking place, like the, the shift in society, right? Yes. So there is a lot more emphasis, luckily, right. on male feelings. and Right. Because there's not just one way to be anymore. Mm-hmm. When you start breaking things down and other groups are saying, hey, I don't fit this mold, 
so a lot of men also want to say, hey, I don't fit this mold. Right. I right. want to do things my own way. Mm -hmm. But there is this weight of societal norms that, that you have to face. And we can discuss that through the movies that we have picked today. And we want to go chronologically in our lives. So mm -hmm. we want to start with male friendships uh, in youth. Like relationships that were formed during like uh, yes. what we call the formative years. Or yes, whatever, exactly. And, and continued. So the first one is Goodwill Hunting. Christ, who did you call? No, and I forgot the number. Fucking retarded, you went all the way out there in the rain, you didn't bring the number? No, it was your mother's 900 number, I just ran out of cards. <laughs> when we get off of mother's, I just got off of yours. <laughs> That's pretty funny, Morgan. It's a fucking nickel, bitch. <laughs> Keep it tight, Ethan. Watch what happens. All right, then, Morgan. Watch what happens. All right, then, Morgan. Watch what happens. Keep fucking with me. Goodwill Hunting is a 1997 movie written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck with their first appearances on the big screen. And Matt Damon is the titular Will and his best friends with Ben Affleck, Chucky. They grew up together in the poor side of Boston. And they have this whole group. Uh, yeah. Matt Damon, he's a mathematical genius. So his life trajectory is now changing. And it's not the same as it was before. And it's not the same as his friends. Mm -hmm. So this is a changing male friendship. And they're a group of friends. It's not one-on-one. -on -one. In a way, you can see how the group of friends serves as a place of security, a place of... Uh, yes unconditional acceptance yes. of, uh, you know, where you can feel like you're you seeing... You have a home, you have a you place. You have a home, you have a place, exactly. But in a way, it's also, it can also serve as the other role of mm. keeping them you know, a right. bit behind. Right. And away from society. And also. away from society. So, and with Will, because of, uh, you know, well, whatever, insecure attachment, whatever... Uh, you know, we're not going to get into that. Right. but that's like, for another, another podcast, another, another episode. Yeah. Right. So for him, it's really important. But you can see how the need for security can sometimes hold you back from achieving uh, other things. I mean, going into the world. Right. So uh, through the group, we can also see how confident he can feel when he's with them, but also how he, you know, his confidence is lacking when he's away from them, like when he needs to be out in the world and to show his uh, abilities. There are different kinds of confidence uh, there for him. Like, so they give him the security that he can be who he is. He doesn't have to invent a life, which is what he does when, it star when, when he starts dating a mini driver who is, he did, had an incredible performance in this movie. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with her. Yeah. And I want to say that I rewatched the movie after I don't know how many years, and it's a very emotional, strong movie. holds up incredibly well. Mm -hmm. And uh, kudos to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck Amazing. for their writing. Wow. But he doesn't show uh, often there his smart side. And when he goes outside in the world, he's alone. But there he has confidence to be the genius that he is, the, the freak genius that he is, and solve all the problems. I know your theory, Alexander, but the boys found a simple geometrical picture. A tree structure won't work. Look now, he's joining the two vertices. But I can do the sum. Well, it's how you group the terms, Alexander. But, Jerry, if we do the whole thing this way, then... Hey, look, look. I wrote it down. It's, it's simpler this way. Sometimes people get lucky. 
You're a brilliant man. And he doesn't show off in front of his, of his friends. There's only one situation in the movie when he does that, and he does that to, uh, to protect his friends. Right. right, yeah, yeah. He uses it as a kind of power, like a kind of, uh, uh, like, Superpower. he's bully, bullying, basically, the other guy. I right, mean, bullying oh, a bullies. My contention is that uh, prior to the Revolutionary War, the economic modalities, especially in the southern colonies, could most aptly be characterized as agrarian pre-capital. All right, of course that's your Hang contention. On a You're a first-year grad student. You just got finished reading some Moxian historian, Pete Garrison, probably. You're going to be convinced of that till next month when you get to James Lemon. Then you're going to be talking about how the economies of Virginia and Pennsylvania were entrepreneurial and capitalist way back in 1740. That's going to last until next year. You're going to be in here regurgitating Gordon Wood talking about, you know, the pre-revolutionary utopia and the capital-forming effects of military mobilization. As a matter of fact, I won't because Wood drastically underestimates the impact Wood of social Wood drastically underestimates the impact of social distinctions predicated upon wealth, especially inherited wealth. You got that from Vickers. Work in Essex County, page 98, right? Yeah, I read that too. Were you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us? Do you have any thoughts of your own on this matter? But you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own... As your own idea, just to impress some girls, embarrass my friend. Bullying a bully, exactly. That you know they uh, have this kind of like uh, uh, battle of minds between themselves, which is uh, very interesting in that sense because it's very unpredictable, right? Because we we see this kind of group uh, uh, as a very stereotypical group, and then we see you know something yeah. that is. But uh, and, and he's admired for that. Like he's you know like he he's the intellectual muscle. But, I mean, if you have a problem like that, I mean, we could just step outside. We could figure it out. No, man, there's no problem. It's cool. It's cool? Yeah, cool. Fucking damn right, it's cool. How you like me now? <laughs> My boy's wicked smart. Right, but he was admired because of the muscle, not because of the intellectual side. Because you yeah. stood up for your friend. Right. There, they, they joined him to beat, to beat up a few people who bullied Matt Damon when he was a child. Mm -hmm. That's the muscle, physical muscle. And here it's just another weapon, but mm -hmm. it's the same. He basically beats him up. Right. But there's also a point in the movie, I mean, when Chucky tells him that his biggest dream is that when he comes to pick him up in the morning, he'll go and he's, he'll knock on his door and he'll see that he's gone. Yes. The, the ability of the group to sometimes keep you back and sometimes push you forward, I mean, he, the one who's keeping you back is yourself in that movie. Like, Will is keeping himself back because he needs the security of the group, but the group, or like Chucky especially, is trying to push him forward. Because I mean, maybe he feels that, uh, that Matt Damon Will is also keeping him back from being, you know, the top dog in that group. That's he can't true. be the top dog. Yeah, that's also true. Like, and also uh, Casey Affleck can go yeah. and ride in the front. In the front. Right? <laughs> like, the, the whole, uh, you know, yeah. hierarchy changes, changes there. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You're too much of a pussy to cash it in. And that's bullshit. Because I'd do fucking anything to have what you got. So would any of these fucking guys. It'd be an insult to us if you're still here in 20 years. Hanging around here is a fucking waste of your time. You don't know that. I don't? No. You don't know that. No, I don't know that. Let me tell you what I do now. Every day I come by your house and I pick you up. And we go out, we have a few drinks and a few laughs and it's great. You know what the best part of my day is? 
for about 10 seconds from when I pull up to the curb when I get to your door. Because I think maybe I'll get up there and I'll knock on the door and you won't be there. No goodbye, no see you later, no nothing. I'm just left. I don't know much, but I know that. I think that in that context, I mean, he's really looking after Will's best interest because also, you know, having Will in the group, it makes it a bit more special in that sense. Yes. And he's given up something. He is sacrificing something for his friend to... Yes. But I think he's reminding the other guys that, that they're, I don't know, on the like, lowest rung of the totem pole, basically. Will's uh, presence there is a constant reminder of what they can never be. Right. And that they are, quote-unquote, losers, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it kind of brings me back to, to my childhood friends. And I had childhood friends. Uh, I had all like this group. And then in our 20s, just like uh, each went uh, their separate ways. And, and there was some sense that uh, some of these, even though now I kind of rekindled those uh, relationships and they're all great guys and stuff, but it just didn't work. And it did, I felt like it held me back to uh, pursue things that are interesting to me and just like um, stimulating in the kind of way that I wanted to be stimulated, even though, you know, the, they're smart guys and all that, just like different ways of looking at life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but there's always this comfort, even now, when we sit together now and drink beer or whatever, it feels uh, super secure. Mm-hmm. Just, you can be yourself and uh, you're not judged and you don't have to put on a face, mm-hmm. you know, put, whatever, put on a show, just like you're you. And they know all the levels that go into being you. Yeah, because that's also like the secure attachment thing in a way. Like, you know that you can roam, right? You can uh, go and see the world, but you have a place to go back to. And then when you sit, when you sit down with your friends, it's going to be as if you were never apart. Like, you don't need their physical proximity in order to feel like you're still friends and that you still, yes. you still love each other, etc. Yes, we're still friends. And uh, I mean, I think that's also the, one of the key roles of a good friendship. Like, because there are some friendships that serve you in a certain time in your life, but, you know, you grow out of this time period yes. or you go out of that workplace or whatever, and then it's like suddenly you have nothing to talk about because it was... And, and you have the friendships that, like, y- you can go back to throughout your whole right. life and still people will feel the same way. Like right. they will, You know, you'll still have things to talk about. You'll still care about each other. It's as if you were never apart. That's also very interesting in the sense that, uh, I mean, you brought up the the kind of like um, power struggle yes. or like the who's the alpha male yes. sort of thing that, I mean, I don't know much about it, like, yeah, <laughs> but it's like, I mean, it will be silly yeah. not to discuss it in, the, you know, the context of uh, male friendships of uh, how much is there like this acceptance that we are equal in that sense and how much there's the the kind of like you know, the power struggle. I mean, and we can see that also yeah. in the movie. With I would say that with childhood friends, mm-hmm. there is a pecking order, mm-hmm. and that also kind of uh, limits everybody. And I feel now, it's, it's, uh, it's funny that uh, we talk about it, like, so now re-rekindling this, uh, this group of uh, four guys, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like they expect me to be the same way that I was when I was 17, and I don't know, I guess uh, the way they see it is just I take up too much place or whatever, too much space. Mm-hmm. 
And like, oh, if we invite this guy from our childhood, you and him will bicker. And I'm like, that's, I'm not going to bicker with anybody. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Everything's fine. I don't want to be uh, on the, uh, the top of the totem pole. I just want to be there. And if I feel like talking, I'll talk. If I don't feel like, talk, like talking, I'll just listen. So that also illustrates, I guess, how it can limit you. And, but you have to, when you go back to it from a later age, then you can say, okay, I'm just going to be me, and uh, whatever you project, that's not going to feel one way or another about it. Yeah, that's very true. Like we, sometimes we can go back to the same position. I mean, uh, we talked about it in different contexts, like losing space and time. So uh, if you were very stuck, like if the relation, I, I mean, I do think that it has to do, maybe I'm wrong, but it has to do something about with something with the, the security of the relationship. Like in the sense that, I mean, it, when there's a lot of uh, power struggles and bickering, sometimes your place in the group doesn't feel so secure, you know, like because you have to, you have to yes. take care of your own. Like uh, in that group, it becomes like a, yes. a, an unconsciously or like subconsciously, let's say, like a, a hostile environment. Right, right. Yeah. I want to talk about that because uh, much of their interacting is uh, banter mm -hmm. and they put down each other and make fun of each other. Double burger? Chuck, I had a double burger. Would you shut the fuck up? I know what you ordered. I was there. So give me my fucking sandwich. You mean your sandwich? I bought it. Morgan, how much money you got on you? I said I could change when I got the snow call. I said that before when we pulled up. Why don't you just give me my sandwich and stop being a prick? All right, well, give me your fucking 16 cents that you got on you now. We'll put your fucking sandwich on layaway. There we go. Keep it right up here for you. We'll put you on a program. Every day you come in with your six cents, and at the end of the week, you get your sandwich. Are you so, gonna be an asshole? What am I, fucking <laughs> sandwich welfare? I think you should establish a good line of credit. <laughs> you like how you bought your couch? Payment <laughs> plans. Remember, your mother brought in $10 every day for a year. She finally got a couch, Renaissance style. Can I have my food now, please? Here's your fucking double burger. But I, I always wonder about that, you know, because... Mm. Uh, I'm here to help. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. you. I was Because uh, in a way, I feel that men talk to each other, that, or some men, let's say, talk to each other that way, because it's, it sends out the message of, like, you're man enough for me to talk to, with you that way without you feeling... Mm. Sometimes, mm -hmm. but also it's a little bit bullying. Like, uh, we had the guy in our group that we would make fun of the most. There was mm -hmm. a guy in our group that that's, that was him. Yeah. Now we're not going to do that, but uh, back then that's how, that's how we did it. And so I want to contradict myself. I said that there is this, uh, this secure place. But on the other hand, you can't show weakness. He doesn't share, Will doesn't share with his friends right. like the emotional things that are going on with his girlfriend. They didn't even say to Ben Affleck that he broke up, that they broke up. Yeah. Yeah, there's this point where Sean asks him, uh, like, uh, who, who is your, like, confidant like who is your best i don't remember exactly the term Sean, that that's robin williams yeah robin williams yeah. Uh, i don't know it came to me that i, I didn't remember it like five minutes ago but, uh, and uh he and he says uh, he mentions a couple of writers and he says no but who's like your okay. like uh, so that's also one of the things i mean if the whole discourse is very much oh, yeah, i need to be a guy or, you know whatever i mean then you don't get into those emotional yeah. depths that you would want to have and uh, right. I mean, we, we will reach that point later, maybe. Right, right? In, in life. In, yeah, in, <laughs> in life, exactly. In life and in the episode. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, and also in the movie, we see the relationship between uh, Robin Williams and uh, Stellan uh, Skarsgård, like Sean and uh, right. Professor Limbo. And, right. uh, same, 
not the same kind of friendship, a little yeah. bit, some characteristics later in life. Later in life, because they were friends, but somehow their rivalry uh, got the best of them, got the right. better of them. And, right. uh, but that, let's maybe talk about their relationship at the end of the episode. That would be like the final, uh, okay. the final arc, chronological arc of the male friendship. Right, yeah, because they are older. They are older. Uh, there was another thing that I, that uh, men could identify with, uh, and then I think we can maybe move on. Uh, when the group and the best friend, when they meet the girlfriend, mm-hmm. there's always an interesting dynamic, especially when, in childhood groups, mm-hmm. when somebody brings in a girlfriend and it changes the dynamic completely and like uh, people like everybody's on like I would say better behavior <laughs> you have to be yeah. you can't be as as disgusting and when she is disgusting then she's like part of the group and yeah. she's you remember how the yeah, chassis yeah, yeah. joke right there's an old couple in bed Mary and Paddy and they wake up on the morning of their 50th anniversary and Mary looks over and gazes adoringly at Paddy she's like Oh, Jesus, Paddy. You're such a good-looking fella. I love you. I want to give you a little present. Anything your little heart desires, I'm going to give it to you. What would you like? Paddy's like, God, gee, Mary, that's a very sweet offer. Now, in 50 years, there's one thing that's been missing. And uh, I would like you to give me a blowjob. I would like one. (laughs) And Mary's like, all right. She takes her teeth out, puts them in the glass, and she gives him a blowjob. And afterwards, Paddy's like, jeez, oh, now that's what I've been missing. That was the most beautiful, earth-shattering thing ever. Beautiful, Mary, I love you. Is there anything that I can do for you? And Mary looks up at him and she goes, give us a kiss. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's filthy. Not that filthy. I've heard filthy. <laughs> <laughs> you have to to watch it. She has this the coke in her mouth when she ends the joke, and she spills it out. Yes, it, it's really scary to bring your girl because if the atmosphere is very emasculating in that sense, what if they're gonna say something? Right, she know? doesn't look enough. This she's uptight. She's like that. No, but also like what will, if they say something in front of her about me? Mm. Right, like if they uh, put me down in a way in front of her because I want to make a good yeah. impression, right? Or they, you, I yeah. had that once. It was very uncomfortable. A friend of mine started mm-hmm. to put me down in front of my then girlfriend, and I was like, "That's not cool." That's n- not cool at all. But but it's uh, yeah, it's really a very instinctual thing, right? It's like, uh, and and that's also annoying. Like. And very annoying. Very annoying. <laughs> in a very conscious way. Yeah, in a very conscious <laughs> the other way. side is very conscious. Exactly. Uh, we can just mention that uh, part of his need for secure attachment, uh, Will, is because he was uh, raised in foster homes and uh, was abused. So he's a traumatized uh, boy, so that explains why that's so important to him and so hard to live. And I would guess that they will remain friends, mm-hmm. you know, when he goes back to Boston and things will be like they were before. Yeah. But let's move on a decade later in male relationships and friendships. Okay. Let's move on to I love you, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, Zoe, here's the deal. Peter's always been a girlfriend guy. He put all his focus and energy into his relationships, and all his dude friends just fell by the wayside. Zoe, don't listen to him, all right? I mean, he's, we're eight years apart. Barely grew up together in the same house. This is ridiculous. Why is it weird that I had girlfriends? 
Nothing. We're just saying you never really had a best friend is all. That's the 2009 movie starring Paul Rudd, Rashida Jones. Jason Segel. And Jason Segel. And I don't know if, it's been, if it was produced by Judd Apatow, but it's the kind of a Judd Apatow genre yeah. of bromance. Right. Bromance, though, taken to the next level. It follows uh, Paul Rudd. And, uh, uh, it's basically set like a romantic comedy. Yeah. The, 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 the twist is that it's between men and it starts out immediately with a marriage proposal so you know that this is not the story it's not a story about uh, a couple falling in love but he has no friends no male friends he's never had male friends mm-hmm. and he's looking to find a friend obviously it's taken to the absurd it's a comedy he's dating male friends and stuff but it speaks to the difficulty of creating new male friendships later in life. Right. When you don't have that initial childhood group and people go on the separate ways, and how do you find these emotions, specifically emotional connections? Because this is at the heart of the movie that it's called I Love You Man. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I like to hang out with you, man. Yeah, they tell each other at one point, which is like yes. the, the reunion after the, reunion. the breakup, uh, you know, yes. in the rom-com uh, genre. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly like you said. I mean, what do you do like when you're an, uh, a grown-up man, and like the people in your office are douches, basically? <laughs> hey, Tevin. Hey, man. What's so funny? One of the guys in my fantasy football league just sent me a quick time. It's a grandma riding a Sibian machine. <laughs> What's that? It's one of those vibrating saddles that women sit on to give them like super intense orgasms. Oh, yeah. check it out. How sick is that? <laughs> very. That's, that's very sick. So awesome. <laughs> hey, so what up, dog? How's that Ferrigno dealio coming? It's coming good. Yeah, I'm getting ready to show in a couple weeks. Oh, great. Dude, I'm just going to throw this out there because it's a big piece of house. If you want to co-pilot on this, I'd be happy to team up with you. No, I know. I'm, I feel like, oh, I want to give myself the, the challenge. And, yeah, you know, yeah, Just yeah. See, see how it goes. I appreciate the offer. No sweat. Hey, anyway, my... You know, my girlfriend and I, well, we had this very special evening plan, and I... Oh! She's a squirter! She's squirting! Peter, we got a squirter! And uh, even, like, in your gym, right? I mean, you don't know how to interact with the other guys, and they're also, yeah. you know, like, you're socially awkward around the other men. We don't know why he's that way or whatever. Yeah. Whatever, you know, like exactly. Uh, and then uh, he meets this guy who he immediately bonds with, they joke together, which is, you know, a very, you know, attractive thing, whether in, uh, you know, romantic relationships or other relationships. But specifically, it's more, it's, I think it's more attractive uh, in male friendships than in romantic relationships. It's more oh, important. I mean, yeah, it might be. Uh, yeah, it's, it's more part. important. I think it's a big, it takes a bigger part of the interaction mm-hmm. between guys that you joke together than between, uh, you know, um, like, let's say, our friendships. We actually laugh a lot, but yeah. I would say... That it's we have like more things that we. That's can... my masculine side that you're laughing. With. Yes, like, uh, yes, yeah. yes. We laugh a lot, but still, I would say that generally speaking, in male friendships, it's more important to laugh than it is with other kind of friendships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know the concept of fun is like important in a female. Re- I mean, the... because we don't share a lot with other men. Mm-hmm. Not we don't share as naturally, mm-hmm. so we need something else. Mm-hmm. And that could be like, and even when you when you share, it, it's more likely to be you know in kind of a fun way and light way. Yeah. You don't cry in front of your male friends. You just don't. 
Yeah. Of course, I'm generalizing and yeah. all that. I'm trying to remember if I ever cried, you know, okay, so just like very shortly, it will be depressing. In my father's uh, funeral, mm -hmm. I met one of my childhood friends that I were talking to and seeing him, it just brought back because we knew each other for, we know each other for 30 years. So he knew my father then and he was, you know, always at our house. So it just brought, just brought the loss in that moment to really home. Uh, but other than that, just like talking, I guess, when maybe when I was, you know, breaking up with somebody. But it's not very often. Very rarely. Very rarely. Right. Thank you for eating. Yeah. I'm the first one, huh? Yeah. I never understood why people are so afraid to eat in an open house. I know. No. Why is Ferrigno someone? Oh, he bought a place in Jackson Hole. Ah. Yeah, I think he's tired of the Hollywood grind. Right. You know, I've always wanted a pad with a giant Lou Ferrigno statue, so I think I, 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 think I found it. He's got one. You're wasting your time with that couple. Just FYI. Why'd he say that? I saw the guy pull in. He's driving a Saab 9.3, which I'm not a snob. It's a great car, but it costs $30,000. This house must be, what, four? $4.2 million? It doesn't quite compute, right? Well, I hope that's not the case. He told me he was going to make an offer. I think he's trying to impress that girl he hasn't slept with yet. How do you know that? Well, it's body language, you know? Like, that guy needs to fart. It's pretty clear, but he doesn't know her well enough to do it in front of her, so I assume they haven't slept together. I mean, it's interesting to, to like, think about what makes a certain person stand out. You know, why do we, you know, when, when we meet, we are around uh, a vast amount of people. What makes a specific person stand out for us and we stand out for them? So, of course, you know, when it comes to psychoanalysis and stuff, you know, there are also kinds of uh, questions about why people fall in love with each other, let's yes. say. And, and I do think, you know, in, in a very aplatonic way, there is a kind of falling in love. Very, very aplatonic way. 100% aplatonic. <laughs> I mean, in that case, yeah, they're not sexually interested in each other. Ah, but we're they talking fall about in, that case. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but they fall in love with each other, yes. right? I mean, it's they want to spend all their time together. Yes. They text together. They meet. Yes. They have. I mean, they're excited to discover yes. many of their the commonalities. I mean, they're in love with each yes. other, completely platonically. But it is in loveness. You though, know? The, though one of them touches the other guy's balls, and that's fine. And that's fine because it's a it's like two Vikings going at it. It's like not in a gay way, you know. No, it's a, no homo. No homo. I mean, now God forbid. So no. the difference, though, between of course I'm joking about the God forbid thing. Yes. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so the difference between uh, romantic relationships, for, like like people falling in love romantically and two men falling in love uh, platonically is that it's socially acceptable. You are always looking for a mate. In Most people look for a mate in some kind of way, mm -hmm. in a, for a meaningful connection in some kind of way. It could yeah. be for two days, a week, a month, a year, your whole life. Mm -hmm. But there's no social etiquette for two men grown men becoming friends. What do you do? Do you invite the other guy to uh, for beer? That's weird. Mm -hmm. You have to have a certain setting right. for it to flourish organically. Otherwise, it's just weird. Though platonic male-female relationships, it's, I, I would say that it's easier. Mm -hmm. 
even though it could also be a little bit weird and awkward, but you can go around it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's, it's like threatening. If a guy says, hey, you want to hang out? I'm like, ooh, hey, 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 what's going ooh, on? I wasn't talking about that. I mean, man. You want to watch the game together? Let's watch the game yeah. together. That's how you do it. Let's, let's do something together. But, but with them, it was very earnest. Like, it was very... Yes. I really liked it, the kind of like very direct dialogue. They're like, yeah, I called you because I thought I liked you and I wanted to have a beer with you, you know? Yeah. It's like, I mean... But they were telling me, don't have dinner, just uh, lunch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There were, you know, people were giving him pointers, don't have dinners, with, and he, would, he did have dinner with yeah. someone and that, that other someone thought that he was on a romantic date with yes. him. So it's yeah. like... But with him, with Jason Siegel, it worked, even yeah. though it was not in, within the rules, the etiquette. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there was this kind of like... They were drawn to each other, and, and that brings us back to the question of why two certain people are drawn to each other out of, you know, all the people that we meet. Right. So, I mean, we can also talk about it in nice guys, but uh, but there is a kind of like, I mean, it, it was interesting to see the places where they're like aligned together, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the places where they have like this kind of like a disalignment thing. Yes. Like, I mean, they were very much aligned together with they were both kind of like looking, you know, each for his own reasons. Right. I mean, Paul Rudd's character, he was looking for a friend, but he didn't really feel the the need for a friend. I mean, he was just doing it to please his uh, yeah. fiance. Or maybe because he got self-conscious about it because uh, her friends were saying right. that it's weird. Yeah, they were saying it's weird. So it was like, in order not to be weird, I'm going to have yeah. to find a male friend, but I don't feel the need for a friend. Right. And through him, he really discovered like why right. he needs a friend, you know, in right. his life, like a male, male friend, friend yeah. yeah. And in how different it is than... Uh... Yeah, right. He took out a whole different side of him that his girlfriend never saw. Right, right. Right, so he can express himself in more more ways. Exactly, yeah. So so many ways of him, exactly, that he couldn't bring out. Like, you know, he was the, the bass thing, yeah. you know, and then he was trying to show her, and like, oh, the whole leprechaun thing, you know, <laughs> slapping the bass or whatever, you know, he was trying to do there. It's like me with the French accent today when we had coffee. <laughs> I was like really insisting that Gil should listen to me talk. To everything in a French accent. <laughs> yes. Just hang out, you know, shoot the shit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we jam a little bit. You play an instrument? Yeah. can't believe I've never told you. I play bass. Really? Oh, yeah. I slap the bass big time. What, do you, what is that? You sound like a leprechaun. No, what that's that? a reggae guy. Oh. I just did reggae. It doesn't sound... It doesn't sound reggae? No. Slap the bass. No. How does it? It's like big time, big time, big time. Big time. Slip the bass, big time. Mm. Slap the bass. That sounded like Borat. Yeah. Slap the bass, big time. That's better. That's better. Okay, but what about Jason Segel? Why? Yeah. Why did he want? Uh, why was he looking for a, a new male friend at this point in his life? Well, because in a way, you know, that's also one of the things that. Uh, I mean, the places of uh, disalignment of like, uh, you know, you have your friends and you, you maybe it's like the same friends, you know, like Will and his friends. Yeah. And then they get married and they have their own lives and you have the children. single and children and like the not everyone does it at the same kind of rate. Or and, at all. Or, or, or at, at all. all exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then you, you get a bit left behind in a way. I mean, suddenly, you know, the relationship that worked so well when you were all very much aligned. Yes. In same place in life. In same place in life, and like you wanted the same things, and you can, you yeah. know, suddenly something shifts in there, and then it's not so appropriate anymore. So right. S- Sydney, like the Jason Siegel character, was at that point 
maybe yeah. a bit lonely, you know, like, yes, you know, loneliness brings us, I mean, Paul Rudd didn't feel his loneliness until he met him. That was like part of the, right. you know, the revelation thing. And, uh, but they both, they were very, very much aligned and also disaligned in those places where like, uh, yeah, Paul he has Rudd a girlfriend, Paul Rudd exactly, has a girlfriend. Exactly, he's getting married. Getting married. And uh, Jason Segel was not, you know, maybe, I don't know, like, yeah, he's not he's not into whatever. Yeah, and maybe a with that girl in the end, like they hinted uh, something uh, like that. Uh, the single friend of uh, Rashida Jones's character, the the crazy one. Yeah, the crazy. I the don't know. They, or something. I don't. I don't so. know. Whatever. No. But like, yeah, because it's an American movie, so they all get matched <laughs> up in the end and get married, and you know. Okay. I, I, I would just uh, push back on saying that he was left behind. It's just like everybody was going their separate... Not everybody was going their separate ways. Three of the group, they were going in the same way in terms of their lifestyle and thus their interests and what they're able to do. And he just like continued in the same trajectory that he was in before mm-hmm. and was just like hanging out and just like being a teenager, yeah. but just like a grown man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. And also there's a lot of banter also between them. Yeah, yeah. But it's very friendly, like in the sense that uh, there was this one time when he made this comment, I don't know, uh, Paul Rudd's character, and then uh, it didn't sit well with uh, Jason Segel's character, and he was like, I still want to hang out despite of that comment. <laughs> so there was like, you yeah. know, they were kind of like... Yeah, uh, yeah, a little, bo- a little more... Uh, yeah, regulating each other in that right. sense. And tender, to, more tender. Yeah, more tender, more trying to be attuned to each other's needs and like limitate, you know, like boundaries and everything. Yeah. So, and I really liked that about the relationship. It was very much like, you know, they were just telling it as it is. Like, they were very emotional also in the sense, you know, just like telling each other how much they like each other. Right. And I guess all the, all the stuff that Paul Rudd was saying that was awkward, it was him thinking that he had to be a certain way, like he wasn't yeah. like, like looking for nicknames and all kinds yeah. of weird stuff that <laughs> never worked. You know what? I just realized something. I never even asked you if you were interested in buying a house. Oh, no. No, why would I be? Well, it's just when you called me back, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about real estate or not. You just seem like a good dude. I thought I'd see if you wanted to grab a beer, that's all. I'm glad you called. We get home safe, Pistol. You got it, Jobin. What? Uh, nothing. Oh, what'd you say? I don't know. You, call, you nicknamed me Pistol, and I just called you Jobin means nothing I don't I'm drunk I'm gonna call a cab <laughs> all right man you have my number yeah I got you stored in my iPhone right. if you need me call okay oh man I'm golden yeah yeah and just like no just be yourself everything's fine you don't have to right whatever yeah there though was it's very s- American it felt like Sorry. a super American friendship just like the, sur- the, the, the playfulness was... Uh, ah, right, the playfulness play- was... was yeah. very American, like yeah. very loud and... Uh, I don't know. Like the guy doing the guy thing or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, so our American listeners, everything is fine. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just weird for non-Americans to see these kinds of friendships, even in, like the, the interactions that for us like, uh, are different... And, I, and when I see this kind of like, co- I would say like a college movie relationships, right. when I saw it in my, with my own eyes, I was like, oh man, it's not just the movies. This is the way that so many people are. And uh, yeah, it's different for us. It's, it's just different. different. Though I think the nicknames, I mean, we do have that here. Like, uh, who? Yeah, no, you may. You, I've you, never had a nickname well, in my but, life. Like, it's very common, I think, to like, no, not a nickname. That's, I mean, but like calling each other. 
by their last name and like somehow distorting that name? It's very rare. Yeah, okay. In the, in the military, in the you military, call a child right. with your last yeah, name. Yeah. But, but that passes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I uh, yeah, I think that, uh, but in other ways, I think that it's very similar in the sense that you want to hang out. You want to, like, you know, you want someone to hang out with, like, when right. you don't, uh, and, uh, it, and, and there is this kind of, like, having, you know, sitting together and, like, talking to, to each other about, like, mm. you know, not just talking about our emotions, but it's also doing stuff together, right? Like, that's very masculine. Very masculine, okay. Like, very manly, whatever. Like, you know, the band thing. Or, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have something to, to, to share here mm -hmm. that uh, you can also, you also have an inside look uh, into. So uh, this movie could, uh, you can extrapolate from that and compare it to the new friendships, to the new friendship that I formed with Dr. Ruth Hervos. We were both... Not so new anymore. Not so new anymore. We were, uh, it was four years ago or something like that. And he lives in the Netherlands and we've never met. And we knew each other through the channel and we chatted a few times. And then we had something to do together right. to shoot videos. And that gave us the pretext for me to fly over and stay at his place for two weeks, even though we've never met. It was basically just like uh, Paul Rudd asking out uh, Jason Siegel yeah. and hoping that the other guy will catch you. Yeah, and <laughs> that he's not a serial killer or something. Okay. Or, like <laughs> or an asshole, just somebody that you don't yeah. want to spend two weeks with. Right. And it's interesting how, how these uh, friendships, uh, new friendships are formed. Actually, I formed uh, in the last few years a few new male friendships after a while that I didn't have uh, new ones. I was between the old ones. And even since then, it, it changed. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, but you have to have a setting slash a reason. Yeah. In this way that they do it, it's very rare. It's very rare. It's very rare and uh, it's very, I mean, maybe, you know, more people would want to do it, but they don't have the, the guts to do it. Like maybe, you know, in the future we'll have like dating sites for friends because people work at home and they don't see other people. Well, and then it will be like, you know, I just want to, I just want someone to hang out with, you know. Wow, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should start it. Then we'll be millionaires. Wow. Okay, we'll cut yeah. it out from the podcast, from the episode. Yeah, yeah, let's cut it out, don't but, I? I want to send you the file before I post it, so make sure that I didn't forget to cut it out. Okay, okay. okay. Promise? I will try. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that also brings us to the next movie, if you're fine with us moving forward. Yeah, let's move forward. Yeah. So the next movie? N nice Guys. The Nice Guys. The Nice Guys. Three. Three what? Three days in advance if you want the rest of the story. Fuck you. Come on, $600. It's fucking robbery. I've only got 400. Well, it's early. You can go rob a bank if you hurry. You're the guy who beat up my dad. Hey, no. Sucker punched your dad. Big difference. But the Nice Guys. It's a movie from 2016. Very funny movie. Very funny if movie. And I, I think underrated because not a, a lot of people haven't watched it. It's very funny. Yeah, it's very funny. It's uh, starring uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Boom. Adult film star Misty Mount shown here at last month's Detroit Auto Show. High-profile case for you, right? Made the newspapers. You know, the thing about keeping your mouth closed is it prevents you from speaking. Sure. Unless, of course, you're a ventriloquist. Fuck those guys. You can always see their mouths moving. You can what? Ventriloquism doesn't work. <laughs> Sometimes. Never. I... It's similar to what we said about men forming friendships 
while doing things together. It's a comedy, but it's not a romance. Like it's not; it doesn't have the same kind of structure. Of, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, but it is also similar in the sense that uh, they don't know how much they need a partner in that sense mm-hmm. until they meet together you know and at the end they become partners mm-hmm. it's a spoiler whatever not yeah, important okay. part of the movie yeah, yeah. and uh, but they're also very much aligned in other things I mean it's as if they come together for a certain job right like for a certain purpose or for a certain right, right. but they don't have to do it together they, they choose to do it together right they choose to do it together because each of them brings another thing to their relationship I mean Ryan Gosling is like the private uh, dick <laughs> whatever <laughs> is the PI uh-huh. and uh, uh, Russell, kind of good kind of bad at it yeah kind of good kind of bad at it is an alcoholic whatever and lost uh, his wife like, he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's lonely he's lonely and uh, uh, and Russell Crowe is like the muscle but also the wits or whatever yeah he's more composed yeah but he's also described as like a bit smarter like Ryan Gosling he has those kind of like yeah he, you know, uh, he stumbles onto things yeah. more than have a strategy. Yeah, but also the like the the text that they give him, like uh, you know, so, you know who also followed orders, Hitler. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. That was so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like <sighs> calling him a Munich instead of a eunuch, you know, or like. <laughs> so they they present him as this kind of like. Hitler following orders. Yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> because. Uh, it's so it's so smart and so in so many levels. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so true. I mean, it's also very much part of the Israeli discourse. I mean, it's just yeah. Like, maybe for us, it's even more funny. Yeah. Funnier than for other peoples right. who have not uh, been ex- uh, almost exterminated. I don't know if it's, maybe it was worth it just for this joke. Exactly. Yes. All the jo- Holocaust jokes, you know, yeah. it's all worth it for that. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, uh, uh, oh my god. Oh my god. We can say it. You can. Oh, yeah. Exactly. We're not even when you're listening to it. To this in your car yeah. or commuting alone, alone in a void in a void don't <laughs> even think it yeah uh, but they come together for this uh, for achieving this certain goal but basically that's not what pulled them together because you know there could have been a, n- a number of other PIs there or a number of other yeah. people to collaborate with but like uh, they, they were they found each other in a very similar point in their lives and for Russell Crowe you didn't mention what was the point in his life love grand Isn't it? I was in love once. Marriage is buying a house for someone you hate. Remember that. Well, he was, you know, he was recently dumped by his wife who had an affair with his dad. And uh, he was this kind of like, you know, lonely, like very low grade kind of thug. Just like, you know, someone that you pay to beat up certain people. But they're all low self-esteem, both of them. Yeah, low self-esteem. Ryan Gosling blamed himself for his wife's death, and yeah. he and his wife slept with his dad. That can't be good for your psyche, a doctor. That's like completely Oedipal and like you know, dad one. You know, like that's nothing is more castrating than that, innocent. So that's the point where they met. Yeah, that's the point where they meet, and they're both also dealing with issues of morality. Like, am I a good person? What is my purpose in life? And yeah, loneliness, and also. Uh, um, just like you know, how yeah. professional am I? Am I good? Yeah, they're both losers, and they're very much depicted as losers. I was watching the movie, and I was like, the movie is on the one hand very glamorous, on the other hand is very messy. Like nothing turns out right, you know. Like in the other movies, like you throw the gun and they catch it. Like mm. there, you throw the gun and it falls out the window. <laughs> I know, it's like, so funny. Yeah, you have all those kinds of like. It's never the way it is in movies. Like this is the way it probably is more. You know, yes. like people just get like. 
just like do things, you know, he tries to break in the window and he cuts his wrist <laughs> and he's like breathing a lot. Because, I mean, how can you go, do it? <laughs> and he goes in the ambulance the next year. Yeah. Oh, that was so funny. And when he's like sitting in the toilet and trying to threaten him with a gun and all, but also pull up his, uh, his yeah. pants, that was also very, very funny. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure it's like the, the kind of like circumstances that, you know, people of that kind of nature of profession, vo- vocation, let's say, <laughs> <laughs> they encounter all the time. It's a vocation. Okay. Yeah, it's a vocation. But their friendships, how does their friendship evolve? They, they again, so they are like late 30s, early 40s or 50s, whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is like... We talked about, we started like childhood friends and then you get married and then you get divorced or your partner dies, whatever. This is like the after the dream is broken. Yeah, after the dream is broken. The penthouse. It's in the penthouse, top floor. Are you happy? Yeah. Guys, listen, you, you don't go up there, all right? Trust me. These New York guys are up there. Um, business guys. They got fucking bodyguards. Kind of had their balls removed. What's that called, huh? And we did say, like, you know, I mean, you know, one of the things that they say about the quality of life of men and women after divorce, usually women have a much higher quality of life because they have their friends for support. And when the, with the men, their wives were their, like, right. uh, very emotional, supportive. Uh, right. so, they're either, so they're looking for a second wife more mm-hmm. than they're looking for new friends, generally speaking. Generally speaking. But here, like, you know, the, we don't even see them trying to pursue... I mean, uh, well, well, Ryan Gosling's character is very much trying to pursue uh, the Tally character in a very, you know, like... Uh, uh, the uh, Kim Basinger's assistant... Ah, right. That he's like, uh, you know, hitting on her. And then after, yeah. even after he discovers her true nature, he's like still trying to, he was right. like. You're not evil. Yeah, you're not evil. Like she just said that she murdered three people. But like, no, but deep inside, <laughs> you know, like this kind of like. But I mean, that's also part of the movie. But like it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, you have a certain who who is the. I mean, also, like, in Tarantino movies, we talked about it, like, the the criminals are actually, you know, they go by a certain code, and you're only bad if you pass that code, and uh, basically everyone is just doing their job, you know, whether it's right. legal or illegal. But male friendships. Male yeah. friendships. Male friendships. So, so and, and so we see that they're very much aligned in that sense, but they're also, you know, when you go into the issue of whether you're holding someone back or you're moving them forward, because, of course, you know, ideally, we, we would like our relationships to be something that you know makes us grow or whatever, like evolve or develop, and uh, so there was one interesting part where Russell Crowe was telling Ryan Gosling something about a situation where he was like the hero of the day, like uh, you know he saved there was a guy in a diner and he saved uh, the people in the diner that tra- yeah. attempted a robbery, yeah. like, and um, when he told it to Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling fell asleep. Yeah. And that's also very indicative of something that sometimes help, happens in relationships. I mean, you want the other person, you want to feel this kind of like, sometimes you can only feel that you're close with someone if they're at exactly the same kind of stance or level that you're at at that moment. Like, this is part of the things that sometimes happens when friends hold each other back. So, you know, like you meet with friends Maybe like when you're both down because uh, you don't have a girlfriend or whatever, and then one, and then one of you finds a girlfriend or like shows a different side of themselves, and the other resents it because then the yeah. disalignment or misalignment. I don't know. Yeah. Like, anyway. but there, there was something that held this uh, male relationship together, and now if you change it, it might not be able to go on. Yeah, but exactly. with them, they are very much aligned. Yeah, 
they also banter a lot, again, yeah. male friendships. Yeah, that, yeah. Though they do give each other some space and some room and are, are, they are bantering, but not very, but, but not judgmental. You know, I asked around about you. There's a couple of people I trust say you're pretty good at this. Well, that's surprising. I would have thought your job ended with breaking my fucking arm. <laughs> well, you know, technically it, it did. I'm off the clock. This is a separate situation. I'm not buying this nice guy act, pal. She owes you money, doesn't she? You coming to collect? You want me to finger her so you can uh, throw acid in her face? Well, no. No, she paid me up front, actually. You know, what it is for me is I like where I live, and I don't want to move. So, two days in advance, $400. Plus whatever the old lady's giving you. Old lady? Fuck you, old lady. You broke my arm. I quit, remember? So call her up, get back on the case, get paid twice. Wow, that is very telling. I'm a detective and we have a code. We don't do that, but interesting. Good to know. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, with like female friendships, when there's a lot of banter, then you would say that they're catty or whatever. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, yeah. rawr, you know. Right. But like in male friendships, it's like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> but it's like the same kind of thing. I mean, it's like same the same. So, yeah, it's just interesting in that way. Oh, I didn't think about it. But uh, I didn't know that there were uh, these kinds of double standards between men and women. That's, yeah, uh, that's just so opened my eyes. Yeah, yeah I'm so glad to have uh, awakened you now that you're a woke man. And they also have this, uh, they fight at the beginning, Russell Crowe beats him up, Ryan Gosling, so there's also this uh, kind of uh, battles for, uh, for the pecking order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but basically they do complement each other. Ryan Gosling, I mean, he brings out, Russell Crowe brings out the best of him because he's like, as you said, and as his daughter says, he's not very good at his job, but like through Russell Crowe, then he sometimes he gets these like, you know, yeah. brilliant moments. I'll find the girl myself. You're gonna find her yourself? Okay. Well, say hi to her when you do. I will. Of course, you're not gonna find her at the airport, seeing as how it's not a flight. Your note, look at it, it's not a flight. Every airport has an overflight curfew from 10 to six, Burbank included. And that top number is today's date, but reversed like the European way which makes sense when you look at FLT and you think it's not flight it's probably flat like apartment and Burbank APT West Burbank Apartments West it's a dump fuck it I'll show you excuse me we're looking for the Burbank Apartments oh they're gone Tore them babies down, um, going on about two years now. To the airport then? <laughs> the kind of bantering, you know, that's also something that I, I, I sometimes think about, you know, how to do it in a way, I mean, there's this guy, Alain de Bouton. Uh, he, he talks about relationships like between men and women. And he says that, you know, ideally we would want the other partner to bring out the best of us. But that's also a very tricky thing, right? Because if we tell our partner, whether it's, uh, you know, in, in a friendship or in a romantic relationship, all kinds of things, then it, it could sound critical in a way that is discouraging or, you know, it makes us angry or feel like misunderstood or whatever. So how do you 
show the other like you know their bad parts in a way that that is also encouraging and so I was wondering about the bantering in that sense like mm-hmm. sometimes it a bantering the a banter has a kind of a, a there's no ah okay sometimes banter. banter it has the the potential of just like shedding light on something on your limited uh, capabilities in terms of English grammar boom banter yeah yeah no it's true it's true but it is no, true. It's true and I will go and better myself because ah. of what you just said okay. so thank you thank you for showing me uh, my uh, uh, ignorance of <laughs> oh no that's very aggressive on the way that you thank me this is also banter I know I just oh. I flipped it yeah. flipped banter <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we do have some banter Yeah, we do have because you have this male side in you yeah exactly I'm very masculine yeah. so it's uh, yeah. okay so I was read, uh, had some read, uh, something written here that they bond around both being on the margins of society of a crazy world yeah like the world is crazy and they're the normal ones the way that they feel even though they are crazy and weird and so they have this bond of outcasts yeah this bond of outcasts and this bond of help like helplessness in a way of like people trying to make the best of like a helpless situation <laughs> you know like they don't save the girl you know like the girl <laughs> <laughs> dies in the middle of the movie, dies in the middle of the movie. and then it's like oh but you're gonna go after the bad people it doesn't matter because you know their other bad people will just emerge so but they're trying you know like they're trying their best Like that's yeah. like the maybe that's like the best you can do in this world also you can mm. try your best so though I think that what they're doing they're, tr- they're trying to find a way to stay friends they need to have something yeah. to do together that's true yeah yeah even though it's completely futile in like the larger scheme of things yes. it's good for them because they need this kind of relationship yes. between themselves right yeah. and for that relationship to to happen they need to have a joint project right. and this could bring me your <laughs> nodding and that uh, I just uh, now am uh, rekindling a relationship with someone who we were very, very good friends and had, and were very good friends who, who then had a joint project together. And then we went our separate ways. And now that we're becoming sort of friends again, mm-hmm. it feels that we need to have a joint, a joint project in order to be able to be friends. That it won't be able to sustain itself just by hanging out right. we need to have something to do together mm-hmm. and we found something that we're going to try to do together and that's how we will be able to stay friends so that's uh, another aspect of um, of male friendships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right doing stuff together going hunting going fishing of course you know we yeah. don't do that and so we do high tech you you guys do high tech stuff or whatever very no, high tech po- <laughs> no, a podcast just, a talking, pod- just like podcast. talking yeah but also you watch games together yeah, even yeah. more than a movie yeah Like whatever going to a show or drinking beer okay you go out and drink and drink yeah. in a bar it's it's kind of rare that you have a male friends that you don't have any hobby yeah. or project together yeah mm. okay I do have these kinds of friendships too though they were able to build up uh, slowly and gradually because we live in the same neighborhood and hang out in the same uh, in the same spots mm-hmm. so it was uh, able we were able to have you grow organically What are the conditions for you as a man to open up emotionally to another man? Like, uh... First of all, I'm an open guy, so uh, that, that would be what I would be looking for anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I would try, 
And then if I would feel that uh, it's not an option, then I guess for us to be able to remain friends, we need to have a common interest, a common something to do. But that would be less uh, appealing to me uh, now mm. in my life. Mm-hmm. For somebody to be like a real friend, yeah, I want to open up because otherwise, why bother? I have other friends, I have female friends, I have a sister, my brother, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about all my male friends. We either had a hobby, something to watch, to do together, to do or watch together, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Or you were, you know, if people have friends from the, from high school or from school, you had a lot of time to let it uh, grow organically, or from the military service, you had a lot of time to, uh, to, to build it organically, or from the... The trip after the military service, Israelis uh, generally go and travel for several months or a year. So there you have a lot of time to let it grow organically. Mm-hmm. After that, we don't have as much of male friendships in the workplace as you see in American movies, drinking beer after work. No, not yeah. really. Or like, yeah, here. yeah, like the English culture of like, yeah, it's a, yeah, we don't have that, right? Right. So if you don't have a setting or a project, So I guess that at this point in their lives, there's the banter that keeps them in check, but still they accept each other. Right. They accept each other. L- they respect each other also. Like they, uh, you know, they see their e- each other's flaws and they don't care about them as much. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I'll cover for you. You'll cover for me. I got your back. I, you got mine. Yeah. We're in, we're in each other. We, we are in each other's corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's also a very important thing, I think, for everyone. But yeah. uh, let's go then, if that's okay ah, with you. Yes. To, yes. Go. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know. You can read my mind. I am a man, thus I have these capabilities. You want to talk <laughs> about the friendship between yes. uh, Skarsgård and Robin Williams. So true. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. I knew that that's what you were wanting to talk about. Wow. And that's why I was happy because I thought that we were ending this episode, but no, we have ah, an encore. Okay, yeah, I wasn't epilogue. sure. Yeah, well, I didn't know what we, you were so happy about. That's what confused me. But yeah, it's an epilogue. So, so yeah. You've got to give this kid direction. Yeah. He can contribute to the world and, and we can help him do that. Direction's one thing. Manipulation's another. Well, right. Sean. I have to let him find Sean, his own. I'm not sitting at home every night twisting my mustache and hatching a, hatching a plan to ruin this boy's life. I was doing advanced mathematics when I was... I was 18 and it still took me over 20 years to do something worthy of a Fields Medal. Well, maybe he doesn't want what you want. There's more to life than a fucking Fields Medal. This is too important, Sean. And it's about personal rivalry. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Jerry. Let's talk about the boy. Why don't we give him time to figure out what he wants? That's a wonderful theory, Sean. It worked wonders for you, didn't it? Yeah, it did, you arrogant fucking prick. Well, I'm sorry. So later in life, <laughs> 50s, 60s, 50s, 60s, yeah, you can see, uh, I mean, two guys that met when they were in college and they were, you know, young and scared and uh, not yet feeling as men or whatever right. that is. And up and coming. And up and coming, both of them in their own field. And uh, you have one guy like Professor Limbo. Skarsgård. Lambo, I think. Lambo, yeah. So Professor Lambo, uh, Skarsgård, uh, he uh, uh, went on to become one of the world's greatest um, mathematicians, or like, yeah, yeah. The, like, uh, and uh, Sean, which is uh, Robin Williams's character, mm-hmm. he uh, went on to become, you know, 
a professional uh, you know he teaches in college but not in MIT yeah. in like a yeah. community, college, community or college or something like yeah. maybe less successful but Very, not maybe yeah way way less successful he went in a different trajectory he was married he was married and his wife died his wife died uh, I mean Lambo was not married we can see him flirting with the students or whatever but like I mean whatever so and you can see like their rivalry coming out through the way that they talk about Will. And they're also very open with each other, like very earnest, very much in, you know. More than earnest, yeah. hurtful. Very hurtful, but like in a, I mean, to me, it always felt like two parents fighting over their kid, you know, what's best for our kid. Like they're also very caring in that sense. Like they, they both seem like, I mean, Lambo. I mean, it seems like he has this kind of also personal interest, but he does care about him, you know, in his own yeah. way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so they they bring up, you know, the fact that uh, Lambo comes to him like from a very condescending, or patronizing sort of uh, stance of like, I, I'm successful and you are not successful. You're a waste of uh, a human being. <laughs> you know, know, of uh, whatever, uh, talent. Yeah, of a talent. Yeah, because you could have been and then you chose not to. And now you're trying to project that on Will and like saying him that it's okay right. to be mediocre or whatever. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, uh, and uh, Sean... Williams, he replies, retorts with... Yeah, you're also projecting your own ambition and like... You, your yeah. own uh, like belief of what a successful person is and I feel like I've been successful in my life and I don't need, I didn't need that kind of, so like it's a clash of like you know yeah. who made the right decision the correct decision 20 years 30 years exactly ago. so it's like people in a later stage of their lives looking back through will trying to judge their own decisions in life and you know the other because it's like the same starting point so in a way because they both started in college it's like spinning doors, you know. If I had picked the other route, route, whatever, yeah. then I would have ended up in a different place. Did I pick the right door? Like, yeah. did I go in? Right. The Meeting the other basically forces them to revise their, to look at their decisions in life. Yeah, exactly. Now don't you do that, Sean. What, Jerry? Don't you do that. Don't infect him with the idea that it's okay to quit, that it's okay to be a failure, because it's not okay, Sean. And if you're angry at me for being being successful, for being what you could have been, Sean... I'm not angry at you, Jeff. Oh, yes, you're angry at me, Sean. You resent me. But I'm not going to apologize for any, any success I've had. You're angry at me for doing what you could have done. But ask yourself, Sean. Ask yourself if you want Will to feel that way. If you want him to feel like a failure. Oh, you arrogant shit. That's why I don't come to the goddamn reunions. Because I can't stand that look in your eye. You know, that condescending, embarrassed oh, look. Sure. You think I'm a failure. I know who I am, and I'm proud of what I do. It was a conscious choice. I didn't fuck up. And, uh, and so that's also some of the <clears throat> one of the things that happens in like friendships that last for a longer period of time, right? Because you started at the same place, like let's say, you know, high school or whatever, the mm -hmm. army, and uh, maybe you thought that you were more <laughs> inclined to succeed yeah. than the other person yeah. but like 40 years have passed and then you see that whatever and you feel like you're in a way disentitled like you 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 know like yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you could yeah so it's like 
there are all these complexities that come into place. You want to prove to the other that you are right. They were wrong because yeah. you want to preserve your own uh, approach to your life yeah. and like the way you see them. Yeah, because your approach makes you feel also better, maybe better than the other guy, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's like the whole idea of trying to prove that you're better from the other guy, I mean, you can see how much it's rooted in like lack of confidence, right? Yes. In, and in I would say that both of them have it. Both of them have it. I agree. So how, how do they resolve this, this conflict? What happens to their relationship, to their friendship? Well, in the end, they do uh, become friends again through Will because in a way, I think that the process that they made is like letting go of him, in a sense, made them also let go of their, what you, know, you could call egos, like it's mm-hmm. not the psychoanalytic ego, but like of you know, trying to pursue their ideal self. Mm-hmm. Like it's like uh, because they were trying to pursue it through him unconsciously. Right. So like uh, Robert Williams, he, when Will told him, I want to go basically in Lambeau's p- path, and mm-hmm. he said, great, if that's what you want to do, that's awesome. He let go. Exactly. And then when Will changed his mind, he, wa- he wanted to go maybe more in, in, in Sean's path, mm-hmm. then Lambeau was like, uh, okay, this is fine. Yeah, because th- there was a process of separation. Mm-hmm. Like uh, wh- if they saw Will as an extension of themselves, then his life choices reflect on their life choices. But if Will is not an extension of them, mm-hmm. but like his own separate beings, being, mm-hmm. then they can be, you know. Yeah. And it's not a given that they, that they would have stayed friend, friends at the end. They lost their mutual project that brought them back together after all these years. Mm-hmm. And now that the project is over, they choose to just to be friends. Let's go have a beer. Let's drink. And mm-hmm. just... I got this flyer the other day. It says a uh, class of 72 is having a reunion in six months. Yeah, I got one of those too. Why don't you come? I'll buy you a drink. The drinks at those things are free. I know, Jerry. I was being ironical. <laughs> oh. How about a drink right now? Yeah, it's a good idea. Come on, this one's on me. Mm-hmm. Because they have this foundation right. of, uh, of 30, 40 years ago, which is important in uh, male friendships. Yeah. Like, this is why now I'm, I'm, I'm rekindling old male friendships, because it's easier to find new friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, like friends are sometimes, you know, we like deposit parts of ourselves in them, the good friends, like right, the, the, the very meaningful friends in our lives. And when we meet like uh, decades, decades later, then we can also reunite with those uh, old lost parts of ourselves. And sometimes we don't like reuniting with them because they're like, you know, but if we come into kind of like, um, resolution with them, then it's very healing, you know, like it's very, yeah. it makes us expand more as human beings. Okay, so what's uh, your final words? We, we spoke about male friendships throughout life. We started with uh, male friendships in the formative years through wheel hunting, showing the group, the, talking about the group, the security it gives, but on the flip side that it could uh, hold you back. And then after that, we talked about the new friendships in your 30s uh, when things are settled down and how that is uh, awkward and difficult and uh, not intuitive and counters and goes counter to social norms. Mm-hmm. 
And then after that, we talked about when you meet later on in life, it's easier to sustain friendships, although it's true throughout, but it's more meaningful there when you have a joint project, something to do together. Mm -hmm. And then the final stage is that even when you don't have anything to do together, if you have those foundations, then you can sustain the, the relationship without any crutches. Yeah, that was a good summary. Yeah, that's, that was very good. And, you know, I can maybe add to that just like the, the general point that, that it's an important thing throughout our lifetime, you know, relationships in general and also friendships. I mean, uh, not just, you know, like we can get emotional fulfillment from all kinds of things. And maybe it's also, you know, I don't know, like the whole concept of like, Uh, monogamy breaking down in a way it can bring more of an emphasis on friendships also mm. like yeah the it, family structure the family structure is changing and so there is a realization that we still need deep emotional connections in our lives but it doesn't have to be in a yeah one person or like rooted in a kind of certain construct right right it allows for more freedom yeah <clears throat> to express yourself in more ways and yeah. be more of who you can be exactly Very good. Boom. 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 Okay, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I want to thank our patrons for sustaining our show. You can find our Patreon page on patreon.com slash podacademy. And you can check out our site, our beautiful site that Ruthel has designed. You, I, I'm not sure you looked at our uh, new site the way it looks now. Mm-hmm. When we launched it, it looked one way. Now it looks like a $20,000 website. Wow. It looks incredible. Ourportacademy.com looks incredible. Check it out. Tell your friends. Share with your friends that you think would be interested in these kinds of conversations. That's a great way to contribute if you don't have uh, the spare change, two or five dollars per month. It's a difficult uh, time financially for a lot of people. So if you can't, uh, if you can't afford it, that's, uh, of course you shouldn't. Uh, then uh, a, a good way to contribute would be to share with your friends and if you're listening it, uh, to this conversation on Google Podcast or Apple Podcasts if you could give us a five star rating and, uh, and uh, write a review if you feel that it's worth a five star rating that would be awesome because it helps more people find us and when they find us to give us a chance so thank you Noga boom and congratulations for being Dr. Noga She worked really, really hard for it, and she has a very interesting uh, research, and we're going to talk about it in a separate and future. Bye, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.